Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. So many cool things happening this morning. Baby dedications and all the Vision Builders testimonies about Academy and, you know, I, I, Kids Church. I don't know if you guys know this, but I used to do Kids Church with Pastor Scott and Jenny when I first came to this church. True story. Um, I, I spent six years in Kids Church, and that's actually where I had a lot of growth. The reason being, they said, you act like a child. We're going to put you in with them and see if you'll mature with them. And it worked. And here I am as a pastor somehow. So uh, I believe very strongly that we're a multi-generational church, that we do all things. And that's just really cool, really healthy. Uh, some other things. You know, I always love to give a little a few tips and tricks about church life. Um, if you're wandering around and you see an open closet door and there's a box of old communion cups, Check the expiration date, or you might start twitching. Like, I had a few too many bad communions, and so that's why I'm twitching out a little bit. Uh, no, I, I have Tourette's, for those of you who don't know it. I'm not saying whether or not I took the old communion cups, but I am saying they didn't cause the twitching. <laughs> um, okay, so, so I, you know. I love having fun when we do church. If, it, if it's too heavy... It's just not for me. You know, I, I, my wife likes to say I'm half serious. She just wishes I'd bring the serious half to church sometimes. Uh, so you're getting, the, you're getting the other half. But today we have a good word. Uh, I know, I was there at the last service, and I know it went well. Uh, today's message is called The Perfect Meal. Is anyone in here a foodie? Yeah, let's go. Oh, yeah. I'm a big-time foodie. I have loved food. And it wasn't until I got married that my wife showed me there's a difference between food you should eat and food you probably shouldn't eat. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, these days, let's just say gone are the days of Hot Pockets and cereal for dinner. No. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but, oh, yeah, there, there was a time I could sit down, smash an entire pizza, eat an entire cake, Maybe as recently as two weeks ago. <laughs> you know, I, look, I, you know if you come over to our house, you eat with us. Yes, we're going to cook very healthy food, but I still know how to cheat. A couple weeks ago, <laughs> our, our, our daughters both had their birthdays. And so on one night, we did the family dinner, and we baked, did pizza and cake. And then the next morning, we're having a, a kid's party, and there were cupcakes. And so the girls were excited about the cupcakes. So they left most of the cake. Right, so, so the night ends, the girls go to bed. I'm like, you know what? Let's grab a fork. I'm just going to take one bite of cake out of the container. And three quarters of a cake later. <laughs> so so let, let me assure you, I know how to cheat with the best of them. Uh, but, but I love food. Food, food, is, food is amazing. You know, food is, is actually a really important thing in in life and in culture, right, food brings us together. It brings us sustenance. It brings us community. You know, God thought food was so important. He literally commanded feasts. God would literally tell the Israelites, this is serious business. You must celebrate. 
over a meal, and there were literally these mandated feasts. And I'm not talking like a meal. These were like events. These were multi-day, you know, and, and look, my, my mother is Middle Eastern, so I know what it's like when you're about to take the last bite on your plate and the plate disappears and there's a fresh plate full of more food. I know how these people ate. Like God commanded feasts. Food was really important to God. Um, there were the commanded feasts, of course, but, but also God loved using feasts to reveal revelation. What was Jesus' first miracle? It was multiplying wine at a wedding feast. I'm down for that. That's the kind of God I'll follow. You know, but, but God marked so many revelations in the scriptures through food. Did you know the tithe was established over a meal? Did you know that? Look at this. In Genesis 14, 18 through 20, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God the Most High. Some actually thought he was Jesus incarnate at the time. Um, and he blessed Abraham and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And then Abraham gave him a tithe of all. So the tithe, we talk about offerings and tithing every week. That was established over a meal. Communion, the, the last supper, right? Jesus, Jesus told the disciples what was going to happen, and he commissions them over a meal. It's pretty straightforward. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, period, not just because it has to do with food, but that helps, <laughs> is Revelation 3.20. Behold. When was the last time you said behold? <laughs> We're going to put that back in our uh, vocabulary. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. I love this verse. This verse has walked me back from the edge so many times. We all have those moments where we get spun up. Anyone ever, anyone ever gotten spun up about something before? Yeah, I think that's fair. Look, there are times where I will get so spun up about something and I'm just dangling over the edge about it and that verse pulls me back in. Wow. It's like Jesus is like, bam, bam. Hey, behold, I'm here at the door knocking. If you just let me in and we have a meal. And did you know it works? I get to this point, I get so worked up. Sometimes, in fact, I've had so many testimonies of breakthrough in life that I start to let my theology run rampant. I'm like, ooh, well, that breakthrough came this way, so maybe this one comes this way. Or I've seen things work this way, or the scripture says. And you start to get a little heady. And sometimes the more you know, the more you get in your own way. And so I will very often in life get to this place where, okay, I'm, God, this thing is just like a grip on my thoughts. And I can't get past this. I'm dangling over the edge. And I want answers, and I want whatever you have to give me. And he just says, hey, I'm here at the door knocking. If you just open it and we just have a meal. Just have a meal. <laughs> Did you know it always works? Because there's simplicity. Meals are critical. And, and just the simplicity of having a meal. Like you, you think about, you ever have trouble people who work for you or been the troubling person and someone needs to have a tough conversation with you and, and they, can, they can 
tell you, they can direct you, they can be forceful, they can say, this is what's expected, this is what you need to do. Yeah. You ever have that one leader who says, hey, let's grab a bite to eat. Let's grab a coffee, let's have a meal. And they connect. And then they say, hey, I wanted to talk to you about something. You go, oh, okay. Right? Food, meals recalibrate us, and God knows it. And this verse is telling me that God recalibrates us. So why don't we do this? Why don't we read the verse in context? Because I love verses that on their own are amazing and do minister to us. But it's also good to read verses in context. You want to read with me in, in Revelation 3, starting in verse 14? And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things, says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you're neither hot nor cold. I could wish you were hot or cold, but then, because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Okay, this is not going well. Um, <laughs> Because you say, I'm rich, I've become wealthy, I have need of nothing. And you don't know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed. The shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father wow. on his throne. Wow. Well, now that starts to tell a different picture, doesn't it? Do you know what Laodicea means, self-righteous. People who find their righteousness in themselves. Isn't it interesting that that verse of behold, I stand at the door and knock is spoken to those who are neither hot nor cold. It, it's, it's, you really start to put these things together and it tells a very different story. You know, it, he, he's warning the churches who've become wealthy, who've, who've been blessed and isn't that the mark, though? Doesn't God say, I desire to bless you? Yeah. Beloved, I pray your, you prosper as your soul prospers. God says, I want you to prosper. And yet he's speaking to a prospering church, people who are healthy, people whose lives are going well. They're walking in the miracles. But the answer is hidden in that word, and have need of nothing. Wow. So when we say the word lukewarm, we think, oh, yeah, like, I'm not apathetic. Right. I'm in this to win this. But what does it mean? What does it mean to be hot? Now, that one we can understand, right? Hot, passion, burning with fire. Very often, we can burn with passion for God to move. He's like, oh, I like that. And we can all say, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, I get that, burning hot with passion. Well, what's cold? And we think, well, is cold apathetic? Well, no, lukewarm is apathetic. What is cold? Cold is the people who are distant from God, deep in despair, still willing to call on his name. So he says, I don't care what your circumstance, you could be on top of the world or hate me with all in your spirit. But if you call out to me, you're not lukewarm. What God is saying is, to the self-righteous, you become so comfortable that you stopped calling on me. 
and that is whom I will spit out. I mean, this, this can look many different ways. The self-righteousness can, can come across so, so many different ways. It can look like, look, I'm, I'm good. Look at all these blessings. I got my dream home. I got my dream job. I got my dream family. God has blessed me profusely. What more could I need? Let's stop asking. It would be, you know, what would it be to, oh, I, I'm not going to ask God for anything more. I'm good. God calls that lukewarm. He says, oh, you're still here on this earth. There's always more. When we settle in the good, we become lukewarm. When we have need of nothing, we become lukewarm. We don't want to be that. The blessings can actually keep us from continuing to walk with God. And we see it a lot. In fact, a lot of denominations that we see that we call dead denominations. Oh, they, they once, you know, that used to be Christian version, but now it's, it's kind of weak and powerless. They got comfy with what they had. Most denominations had a spiritual revelation and they had their season of heyday and they got good with it. And then they decided to steward it. Which brings me to the next one. Sometimes self-righteousness looks like, I've got this figured out. Do I really need to go back to God for more? I was raised in the church. I can sing all the songs. I can quote all the Proverbs and Psalms. I can say the right things, do the right things. I can serve on every team. What do I need to ask God for? I got this figured out. You know, this has been working for us for so long. Hey, the way I got that last revelation, let's keep doing that thing. That's lukewarm. You have, you've, you've become in need of nothing. And it's now, and for whatever reason, whether it's through pain or rejection or whatever cause, or performance, whatever causes you to want to steward it yourself, you say, okay, maybe I do have need of something. I don't need God for this. Whether I don't believe he can or he will, or I think that I can and I should. That's lukewarm. That's self-righteous. This hurt anyone? This hurts me. Why do you think I'm dangling over the cliff so often? And God's like, open the door. Um, so he can recalibrate me. And, and then the, the third way that self-righteousness looks is the opposite. It's, I'm not sure that God will help me. Therefore, why ask? Wow. So good. You know, we often sing, like even in the last song we sang, it's, you know, I believe that you still God, I believe that you still do things. You know, we read, oh, I know the God, he's the God of the miracles in the Bible. Maybe he's the God of miracles for me. But sometimes we say, is the God of my last miracle the God of my next miracle? You know what I mean? When we have need of nothing from God, we become lukewarm. We can be spit out. Because, look, at the end of the day, God is a good father. Better father than me. He's better than any one of us. If we look at the gifts and rewards we've received from heaven as a mark that we're doing everything right, <laughs> we're blowing smoke. Um, God loves his kids. He loves you profusely and without end. And that doesn't mean when I give my daughter gifts that I completely accept all of her meltdown behavior. So very often, the miracles and the signs and the blessings in your life, 
Sometimes they come as rewards of the seeds you've sown, but very often they come simply because God loves you. And if you use them as a way to bring self-righteousness, oh, look at these blessings, God must approve of me. You see what I'm saying? You start to see how even the people who look the most blessed walking around in the church are the lukewarm who will be spit out. That's convicting. Fortunately, Jesus makes it easy. He says, you know what the answer to this is? You don't want to get spit out? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Let me in. Let's have a meal. That don't, I, ugh, the religion to me doesn't like that. I want to do something. God, I, wanna, I want you to tell me what I need to do. Just, just tell me what I need to do different. He says, if I tell it to you right now, you're going to take it the wrong way. It's not until we recalibrate over the intimacy of a meal that now you can receive what I'm going to give you. Everything is relational. Doesn't it make sense that the context of this verse is relational? But I want, I want this to be for all of us because this, this is for me. There are times where most of my life is going beautifully. And then there's this one area it just kind of grips you, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But this, God, this, dangling over, just dangling over the cliff, right? Like, I, I don't know what's going to happen, you know. And God says, look, simple beginnings. What's, what's more complicated than a meal, right? The, the simplicity of a meal that draws us back in. There's a difference between doing things in his name and doing things in him. I get pretty fired up out in the world when I see a lot of people add in the name of Jesus to the end of something that Jesus did not endorse. There's a difference between doing something for him versus with him. And, and it's all about this recalibration. And Jesus makes it so easy. One, one more thought on this. If our salvation isn't a matter of works, then neither is our greatness. Okay? If you can't get to step one on your own, you can't get to step 100 on your own. And just let that be a reminder. Okay, so, so how do we recalibrate? Step one, open the door. There were some expletives in the original, open the door. Because sometimes we've got to get it in our thick skull. To open the door. We got to get past ego. We got to get past false humility, self-righteousness. And we simply have to learn to open the door. Look, when Jesus knocks on the door, he doesn't say, he doesn't come with a list of rules. Try harder. He simply says, I'm knocking. I brought the food. Let's just sit. And, and the hardest thing is what we put in the way. It's all of our reasons why we don't open the door. It's all those excuses. It's, ah, that'll hurt my ego. That'll hurt my pride. Am I a bad Christian if I have to open the door? You know, what, what are the ways that I can interpret this? Is he really here to love me or to scold me? What's this going to be like? What does it take? And this is the point of this message. What does it take to open the door and enjoy that perfect meal? All of our Bible heroes 
were nut jobs. None of them became famous in the Bible because they were righteous. They knew how to open the door, right? It, it is your connection to God that's, that sets you up. And I, I just don't want to lose sight of that. And besides, how prideful are you to refuse the invitation? Trust me, I'm pretty prideful sometimes and I refuse the invitation. But the reality is, the king of heaven is knocking on our door and I don't want to open it. Who am I to reject this invitation? It's, it's the things in us, it's the hurts, it's the pains that actually keep us from opening the door. But the irony is when we open the door, the hurts and the pains wash away. There's nothing greater than your recalibration and your reconnection with God. Awesome. So we've opened the door. That's the biggest step. But what comes next? When we have to embrace the menu. Okay, Jesus brings the food. And we all know what the spiritual food of heaven is. Everyone say it with me. Tacos. <laughs> that is spiritual mana from heaven. And so, yes, in the natural, when I dine with Jesus, I'm having carne asada tacos or, or, or something wonderful like that, of course. But in the spiritual, what does he really bring? The food that Jesus brings is, is communion, right? It's the bread and the wine. Now, I want, I want you to know something. Communion was established at the Last Supper. The Last Supper was established as a Passover Seder. It was a, it was a mandatory feast. Have you, has anyone ever been to a Passover Seder? That's awesome that a lot of you have. So my dad's family is Jewish, so I went to a lot of these growing up. And there are these long services. And when I say long, I mean it's been shortened from biblical times. Like these are four-hour meals. Back in the day, they were three days long. God likes to party. I accept. But you look at the Passover table where Jesus was having the Last Supper, and there's so much symbolism across this event. You have things that you only take out once a year. You have a plate. There's like a lamb shank that represents the lambs that were slain in Exodus. You have, you know, bitter herbs, and you have literally the Holy Grail was a chalice. They actually had a cup that they put on the table that was supposed to be for Elijah. When Elijah comes back to come and drink a cup of wine, and I remember all the kids would be like, Elijah's going to come back, and no one's looking. Grandpa takes a sip and says, see, Elijah came. But and that was actually what was meant to be the Holy Grail. It was this chalice. You didn't know there was, <laughs> that grandpa was involved in this. <laughs> there were all these symbols on the table that were only out once a year. And if Jesus would have picked one of those for communion, we would have said that's the holiest thing in the world. He picked the Holy Grail, the Passover chalice. And if he picked that as a symbol of communion, we would have been like, that's as holy as it gets. But no, he picked bread and wine. Do you know what was on every person's table every night, regardless of class or creed? Bread and wine. He picked common things for communion. Why? Because the power wasn't in the item, it was in the meal. You get what I'm saying? So the menu that Jesus brings is symbolically represented 
by communion. So in the natural, they're common things. When we dine with people, we are having communion because it's not about bread or wine. It's about common foods. It's about things that bring us together on the daily, not once a year. Communion is meant to be daily. And that's why he chose bread and wine. But symbolically, what what do they mean? What does the bread mean? Um, John 6, 51 I am the living bread, which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. So on the menu with Jesus is living bread that leads to eternity. It's salvation. Sometimes we get away from salvation. We remember that we didn't even deserve to be here in the first place. When Jesus opens the door and we let him in and he brings the bread, he's saying, remember where it all began. Remember that your life is in me. You guys catching that? Your life is in me. And then there's the wine. John 14, 15 through 18. If you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray to the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide in you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither, neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. I like using this for wine because wine represented the new covenant. Covenants are formed and broken by blood and by creed. We create covenants by speaking something and the drawing of blood. We break covenants by speaking something and the drawing of blood. Jesus shed his blood and we confess our faith. We establish, we get to participate in the new covenant. That new covenant is... I place my spirit in you. I will reveal all truth to you and I will live in you. So what is the perfect meal that Jesus brings when, he's, when, we're, when we're lukewarm, self-righteous, we need nothing? And he knocks on the door. He says, remember that salvation is in me. And remember that I have placed my spirit in you. How simple is that? How hard is that? Because when I get worked up, when I'm standing on the edge, the last thing I want to think about is just the simple reminder of I'm in him, bread, he's in me, wine. And you're telling me the rest flows from there? Yeah, yeah, I am. The rest flows from there. But we want to bring so much extra into that. You know, it's interesting. I want to add this as well for this section. Psalms 23, 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. So let's say, real world, Jesus does knock on my door. Manifest Jesus comes, knocks on the door. My first thought is, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Immediately, we start putting away all the kids' toys, cleaning the bathrooms, getting everything ready because I want Jesus to come into my house when it's perfect. Not only is Jesus not commenting on that, he's going a step further and he's saying, I don't care if you're literally sitting in the camp of your enemies. I still want to dine with you. In your chaos, in your mess, you could be in the depths of the world crushing in around you. And he says, and even still, I will set a table. 
we're, try, we're trying to get ourselves ready. God, I'm not ready for you to knock on the door. Can you come back later? Wow. Wow. Hey, I've said that in my, in my spirit. I've been like, oh, right now? You're knocking right now? Can you come back later? I'm having a pity party. <laughs> or can you come back later? I got to clean up a couple things. Uh, well, how about I repent to these thoughts before you come in here? And he says, no, the, the pathway to repentance is to open the door and to have the meal. You get what I'm saying? He brings a wonderful menu, and it does not matter when, where, how, what it looks like. We don't get right and then get with God. We get with God, and then things become right. Which brings me to my final point. You ever been to a nice restaurant and you have this awesome menu and you get to the bottom and there's three little words that say, no substitutions, please. I do thank you for the please. So um, (laughs) we used to not be able to go out to restaurants with my grandma. (laughs) We would go out to a nice restaurant and she would say, okay, I would like to order the salad. Now, can I get some meat added to that? Wonderful. Maybe a little bit of cheese. Cool. Hey, could we subtract the carrots? Awesome. What about subtracting the dressing? Great. Do you have any ketchup in a bun? (laughs) And she would literally do this. She would go, like, she would turn a salad into a cheeseburger. I kid you not. (laughs) And and it got to the point where we actually had to have an intervention and say, no more than three substitutions, Grandma. We We are capping you at three substitutions. Without a doubt, no matter where we went, it could be her favorite restaurant. She would still find a way to make substitutions. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but we do that. Jesus comes, he knocks on the door. Okay, we'll let you in. He brings the meal, awesome. But then we want a couple substitutions. Hey, Jesus, I, I know you want me to come back to the simplicity and just connect with you but I am in the camp of my enemies. Can we add a little bit of righteous justice into this menu here? Or you know what? Like, I, I, I really want this, but I don't really want to let go of that offense. Or, you know, I want this meal, but can we also add to the menu a little bit of like hoity-toity recognition? Like, just tell me I'm awesome and that I'm doing the right things. And let's just focus on the good works I've done first. These are substitutions. There's so many things. We want to substitute in doubt. We want to substitute in control. We want to substitute in uh, justice. Justice is a big one. Yeah, God, I really want you to recalibrate me, but things are still broken. And I'll I'll feel a lot better if you fix it. Why are we so dependent on God fixing the situation before before we'll willingly come alongside him? And so these things are, they're the additions that we bring to the menu. And they're not helping anyone. Look, no one impresses God with their works apart from him. Let me say this, good behavior and good intention does not produce righteousness. Good behavior and good intention. I'm doing, I'm doing what I think God wants me to do. I'm doing the right thing. Yes, sir. Yes and amen. I'm going to serve all, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the right thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up Jesus in every conversation, even when it's annoying. Look, I, I consider myself a somewhat spiritual person, but if all you're doing is telling me, thus saith the Lord, let, let this be blessed and highly favored. 
oh, this, is, this, is, this is boring. You know, we don't want need to manufacture goodness and righteousness. But the same way, like I said earlier, prosperity, success, recognition aren't enough to save you from being spit out. When God comes knocking and you say, but look at all I've been doing for you. Look at all the blessings I have in life. Look at what I've done with my career, with my family. Look, 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 look. It's not enough to stop you from getting spit out. You're substituting. Again, those are marks of being his kids, not marks that he approves everything we've done. Remember, I'm preaching to the choir here. As someone who's seen a lot of miracles, been through a lot of seasons, learned a thing or two, it's so easy to sit on my laurels and say, well, this is how it worked last time. This is how I want it to work. This is, you know, I, I know enough now that I know, God, that this is what you intend to do in this situation, right? This is what you're going to do. You're going to smote them, smite, smote, smote, smite, smote them. <laughs> and, and, and God is saying, behold, I do a new thing. Who's to say that the way I did the last thing is the way I do the new thing? It's less important what I do, but more that I do it. What is this connection? See, God creates mystery, so we always have to return to him. So that no matter where we end up, look, there's no condemnation for being in the mess. Just open the door. Let him in. He's got tacos. Let him restore you. Let him speak truth. And I have, I have come back from so many ledges because of this simple concept. We need to be aware of our good ideas that aren't discussed at the table with God. He sets his revelation over food, the tithe, communion, the, even the birthing of his ministry at the wedding. God discusses his plans and his purposes over dinner. You want to know the strategies of God? Eat with him. More business is done over dinner and drinks than in a boardroom. Oh, that's just what the world does. Well, where do you think the world gets it from? There, there, there's, there's only one source of wisdom. Whether or not people give credit to God for that wisdom, there's only one source of wisdom. And it's, we got to find the perfect meal. And sometimes, like I said, the hardest thing is to open the door. Let none of us be lukewarm. I don't care where you're coming from. If you're hot or cold, you're in the presence of the enemies or on top of the world. It's time we have need of something. We have need of God. And he will recalibrate us. And the end of that verse in Revelation is, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. There's a reward for this. We just got to uncomplicate it. We have to be willing to say, all right, God, have I been lukewarm? But what does that mean? It's not just that, oh, you know, I, I, I burn a fire and passion. I can't possibly be lukewarm. You could if you're doing it without him. And to walk intimately with God is the key to everything. So what I want to do is um, I just want you guys to close your eyes. We're just going to, we're going to take a minute. And some of you might even be opening the door in this, in this moment. I, if you're in here and you realize I, I need Jesus to come eat with me, I accept the invitation. 
maybe you've never actually opened the door or it's been so long that he's a stranger or a foreigner or you're scared to let him in. If you've never opened the door for Jesus, if he's not dined with you in recent history, if you have not walked with him, let's start now. Why not now? If you're in this room and you've not opened the door for Jesus on anything, accept the invite. And if you want to accept the invite as a sign, I want you just to raise your hand. If you're saying, God, today I want to open the door to you for the first time. I want you to come in and dine with me. I want you to raise your hand if this, if this is a commitment that you want to make. Jesus, I'm willing to give up my self-righteousness and let you dine with me. I will live my life with you. If that's you, please raise your hand and just show God as a sign. Come on. That's wonderful. For everyone else, I want you to think of the areas that you need to open the door on. Where have you had no need of God? Where have you been struggling and yet everything that makes sense to you isn't doing it? And you know, you know that you got to open the door and just have this meal with Jesus. Let him comfort you. Let him speak to you. Let him, let him dine with you. Let him bring the menu. If you know you need that recalibration, I just want you to stand up. If you realize there's an area in your life that that door, God, I'm ready. I, 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 want you to, I want you to come on in as I open that door. I want you guys to stand up. Come on, take a big breath. Take a big breath. See yourself open the door. Watch, his, the flood of his presence is gonna come into you right now. That's all it is. It, it starts with this. See yourself opening the door. Holy Spirit, thank you that you rush in like a mighty wind over each and every one of these people here who are responding, that the door is open. The door is open. Come on in. Jesus, come on in. Come on into the mess. Come on into my mess. Come on into it all. I just want to eat with you. Come eat with me. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the touch of heaven that you're bringing to each and every one of these people. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I, um, I felt that there's, there's someone in here who's been having some heart issues. Is there someone in here who's been having issues with their heart, maybe palpitations or something, but there's a bit of a, a heart issue? Come forward. Yeah, any, anyone. If, if you are having heart issues, like physical heart issues, this. God's going to move. We've let him in. The rest is up to him, and he wants to do above and beyond. So watch this. Thank you, Father. Right now, we release healing over the heart. Right now, we release a healing, healing, break infirmity. Break it. Break it. Break it. Break it. Break it. He's healing you. He's healing you. He's healing you. Thank you, God. Watch this. Watch this. I love it. Okay, here it comes, here it comes. There's healing oil pouring over you right now. There's heart issues. Let him in, watch. He's knocking on this door even right now. He's knocking on this door. He's breathing new life. He's saying, life. There's healing, 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 healing. 
Thank you, God. Right now, we release healing over your heart. Supernaturally, there are things that you've been afflicted with almost even since your youth, and you were told that this is, this is a part of who you are. And God says, no, I am a part of who you are. Let me in. Occupy that space. Here it comes. Thank you, God. Release healing. Just open the door. Yeah. Healing right now, supernaturally. Break infirmity. I break it, break it, break it. I break the generational curse of fear and anxiety that's been over your family. I break it. There's a rest- restoration of the rhythm of your heartbeat. You are disconnected from the old rhythm, the old cadence of how your family operated. Your family operated, so there's a cadence, almost like a pulse wave of a heart. And I just release healing over you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. All right, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, why wouldn't God move when we let him in? Do I have time for one more? Okay, the other thing I saw is there's, there's people in here that when you lay your head down to sleep at night, there's things gripping your thoughts, but it actually feels like a headache. Like when you, when you lay down at night, it's like a fist is grabbing your thoughts. Is that anyone in here? Okay, come forward. Come on. And guys, pray along with me. It's not by our works that our prayers work. It's by our communion. So as I'm praying for them, I want you to see God entering their door. That's all. I just want you to visualize God enter their door. Enter their door. Yeah, Father, thank you. Thank you right now. Release the gripping thoughts. Break. Thank you, Father, right now. Break, break. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Open the door. Here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. Thank you, Father, right now. Break it, break it, break it, break it, break it. He's got it, he's got it. God has us under control. Give it to him, watch. Break, break. because that's pretty awesome. Oh, man. Miracles happen in this room. What is that room? It is the dining room of your heart. When Jesus is welcome in to have a meal with you, miracles happen in this room. Amen? Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.